we have a lot of these false stigmas and this association. When we think of mobile home parks, we think pure poverty. We think very dangerous place. That's what people associate with. And I thought that before too, but you go into these communities, they're actually pretty nice. The people there are great people, hardworking class people, and they take care of their community really well. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to grow their wealth by investing in US real estate. I'm your host, Reed Goosens, and so far, I've acquired over $800 million worth of investments on various properties across the United States. On this podcast, I interview go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business to learn more about their investment journey and the cutting-edge strategies they are applying towards building a legacy. For more on growing your own wealth and or buy investing in the US, visit www www.readgoosens.com. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Franco Perez. Having grown up in a family with unstable housing situation, Frank is on a mission to create affordable housing in Silicon Valley. He discovered that the Bay Area's mobile home parks offer an abundance of underused and underutilized land with great growth potential. Now, after many years of dedication to his vision, Franco has established a devoted team of like-minded individuals who believe that they can provide positive impact to the community, which will equal success for all. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today his incredible knowledge, but enough of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Franco. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Reid. Mate, you are just north of me. I'm in Los Angeles. You're in the Bay Area. So uh, really, uh, really excited. Nor- NorCal versus SoCal. So um, <laughs> yeah, but before we get into the meat and potatoes of, of the conversation today, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? As I can remember, uh, I remember trading, like I lived in the Philippines at a young age and and we were trading marbles, like rare different marbles for for money. And I I remember that being at a young age and then from there into Pokemon cards and trading those. And and, uh, that's my longest memory of of my first dollar. It was actually not a dollar. It was a peso, actually. I'm 30 now. 30, oh, okay. We, I'm, I'm, I'm 37, so I remember, I remember growing up with marbles, Yoho Diablos, and uh, Pokemon cards as well. So, um, so yeah, th- roughly ah, the same cool. era. Yeah. Yeah, nice, no, man. totally. <laughs> Walk us through the, the, the coming to the American you know, story. You know, clearly you said you grew up in the Philippines. When did you make the, the transition to the US? And how was that, you know, coming as a, as a foreigner? I think, you know, what's interesting is I lived in a not so great area, or like, not so great area of the Philippines. It wasn't like a city or anything like that. But I, I remember I loved it so much because everyone was super resourceful. And I think that was key to like my growth as well. It's like people there were we I remember my, my friends, we would make toys out of out of recycled plastic. And it was somehow like some of the funnest times of my life. But yeah, moved over here around fifth or sixth grade. And then uh, grew up in the San Jose area of the Bay Area. Basically, weird situation happened where my parents split up. My dad was the main breadwinner. My mom was working. I was about 17, 18 at the time. I dropped out of school just to work full time to help support my mom pay for rent in this area. I remember at the end of every single month, we were really struggling to make ends meet and pay rent. Um, it was supporting my mom, my younger sister that sort of thing. 
it was really quite the struggle and, and the culture shock. And I remember thinking like, why is this so difficult for people like us? Like our whole family is good people, but why is it that, you know, we have to go through these pains, these stresses, and not everyone does, right? And that was really kind of what was ingrained in me to, to really pursue this passion. I got into real estate from there. I became a real estate agent did pretty well off. And then I ended up really hating being a real estate agent because it was like, I'm helping all the wealthiest people I can try to get the most expensive homes that they can. And however, I I really hated turning down these other families that I have to say, hey, unfortunately, you don't make enough. Unfortunately, you don't have enough as a down payment. You can come back later when you do. And that hurt me so much much to be to have to turn these people away so really took a deep dive in trying to find out like how can we fix this problem and really came across mobile home parks and did a study of them i was shocked at how many mobile home parks there are throughout the country how many different metro areas they are in la we're doing stuff there and in san diego as well but I realized that the location is great, but they're being underutilized. So we got into helping people get out of rent into owning a mobile home. And then they're more financially stable to be able to sell that and purchase later down the line. So that's kind of how we got into what we're doing now. And and we're converting a lot of old mobile homes into new 1500 square foot large mobile homes now too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Just go quickly rewind back. Did you go ever go back to school or once you were out, you're out for good? I never went back to school. No, no. I, yeah. GED, right? They call it here in the States. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just had my high school diploma. That's all I have. Oh, you had, sorry, got, got, got it, got it. So, so when you said drop out of school, you dropped out of university. Is that right? Yeah, I did about a half year at uh, college and I, I left. Nice, nice. Well, you got to do what you got to do, man. Family comes first. So, so kudos to you to, to, you know, sacrificing what you think your your thought your your sister and your mum needed for you to help you know pay rent on time. I, I know it's it wouldn't have been easy at a at a young early twenties type of age. But you mentioned you know your your growth in the real estate space. Becoming an agent was that just what? Why an agent and why that path? And is it, did that lead you down this path now of mobile home park investing for 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 sort of your know, underutilized um, you know, people in in this country? Yeah. What's interesting is I was actually. I love art. I was doing graphic design and that was really the the my role that I was hoping to get. And I was doing graphic design for this real estate company, doing their flyers, their website, that sort of thing. And when that whole situation happened, I came, I went to my boss and I was like, hey, uh, I really need a raise and I, I need to make more money because this there's a situation that happened. And they're like, we can't pay more for marketing. We can't do that, but I can teach you how to sell real estate. And and from that I I I really didn't I didn't have any experience, but because I was so hungry and so I really needed anything I could get, I door knocked and cold called for this real estate team at that time and ended up doing really well at it because I didn't really know that being denied wasn't okay. And because I had that drive, I was not afraid of getting my, the doors shut on my face and that sort of thing. So that's kind of how I got started into real estate myself. Yeah, not not taking no for an answer is is a is a muscle you've got to really work at. I think a lot of people just expect it all to say yes, people to say yes all the time, and and having that uh, sort of early on in one's career to 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 have that no, that sort of the constant no, but having the sort of the mindset to say, well, it's just going to take one yes, and that one yes will get will open the door to that next 
you know, whatever path may be. So I really think that's a that's an incredible lesson and you know tidbit to take away from people listening to the show. Like you have to always be prepared to have some uncomfortable conversations. And the majority of those conversations are probably going to be no. Whether you're selling door to door or you're raising money for 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 real estate deals, it's all about getting at bats and and uh, you perfecting your pitch which is which is which is really really awesome. But tell me how was the how's the transition in mobile home parks because you mentioned LA, you mentioned San Francisco, you mentioned San Diego like I'm in LA. I don't invest in LA. I invest out of state in Texas and Phoenix and in the South Carolina because the cap rates are better. Why chose to invest so, you know in your backyard so to speak? You know, my whole mission really was not profit. You know, I, I could have gone the easy route and just grew as a real estate agent and done that, right? However, it just wasn't fulfilling for me. And once I got to that stable point of comfort of fi- financially, I what's interesting is that I knew that people were in the shoes that I was in. There's still people out there today that are stressed about paying this month's rent. And for me, I just wanted to find, even if I could just help one family like that to be able to get a chance at these home ownership benefits that the wealthy have access to, that to me was so much more important than the financial element of it, right? And so I really tried to explore government affordable housing, how that works, rental assistance, how that works. And I came to find out a lot of these rental assistance programs don't really get people ahead, right? It's really the the ownership element that that allows people to really boost their potential for their family to be able to get ahead, right? And I explored, I literally was looking over at Google Earth. I explored like all these lots of land and what could we do and that sort of thing. And I was like, whoa, what are these right here? People don't know that there are mobile home parks in their backyard, but there's a ton of them. And then with that, I came, I actually drove through them. We have a lot of these false stigmas and this association, when we think of mobile home parks, we think pure poverty, we think very dangerous place. That's what people associate with. And I, I thought that before too, but you go into these communities, they're actually pretty nice. The people there are great people, hardworking class people, and they take care of their community really well. And for me to see that and witness that people are actually getting an asset that these homes are actually appreciating in value. And these mobile home parks are right across the street from Google, right across the street from these Samsung campuses and in great schools as well. This is a perfect place to kind of make an impact and make some tweaks and changes to to make this work out for more middle-class people. So Mm. um, it was really by accident, I guess is what I would say. As a former structural engineer myself, and and I've got a hand in, in real estate development, surely these these pieces of dirt were like prime locations. Um, and, and how were you able to get your foot in the door to, to, to bid on these things, you know, to beat out the Googles or the Samsungs who are like looking to land, you know, land bank and buy more um, land, which is the most valuable thing because they're not making any more of it, in really, really sought after areas like the Bay Area? Yeah. So there's a few things to that. One is we started out with just really being a broker model where we're helping assist people get into purchasing and selling these units individually. And that's kind of how we got our foot in the door. And when they're talking about the park itself, what's interesting is that these cities like San Jose have their quota of what they need to have as considerable affordable housing, right? So with that, these mobile home parks play a huge role in San Jose's affordable housing and and their requirement for that. So it's very difficult for anyone to do some sort of conversion 
very, very difficult. And they've tried to close these parks down. They've tried to convert it. There's many people that have tried and it's only happened a very small amount of times. So with that, our our model is really converting these old homes inside of these parks themselves and converting them to newer and nicer ones. And that's what we're doing. So by building a network of people that already own a mobile home itself, we helped them converting those that way. And then now we help with park owners. So these actual park owners that have these communities, they're their agenda is to raise the value of their community. So we do that by helping them convert their old homes to new ones as well. Gotcha. Okay. So you're not buying the, the, the dirt. You're not taking over because I could imagine those things are like a gold mine in terms of sitting on – no seller would want to sell uh, a mobile home park in San Jose or San Francisco or Walnut Creek or you know San Diego. So um, so that's to you coming in being offering a service to help – both the tenants or, you know, the people who live in these mobile home parks, but also for the owners to have a better way or a better ROI, I should say, to enhance their community by having nicer product, you know, rather than just the typical, you know, double wide, massive trailer, you know, with with wheels hanging out, correct? Yes, exactly awesome. that. So are you doing anything in the in the space of manufactured housing? Because when I say manufactured housing, this is manufactured housing, but like more on the um, scale of like trying to you know, modular housing, I should say, where you try to build it in in a, in a warehouse and then bring it to site as sort of a, a very like you can pick A, B, C or D, that's it. And this is how we're going to improve it. Or is it more customized for individuals who want to, you know, pimp out their, 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 their trailer? Yeah. So basically, that's exactly what we're doing. We're using the same factories that modular homes are being built in. And then we've modified it for it to be fit inside these mobile home parks. So we'll take in these old 1970s homes, you'll see an 800 square foot single wide or, or whatever, and we'll we'll find out for them the logistics of, hey, with your lot, we can actually build a 1500 square foot home. We could get you three bedrooms, two bath. This is what it'll cost. And this is a value add for you because it's actually gonna raise the value of your home drastically by this much, right? And so we work with the factories to build this out. You'll actually see it on our YouTube channels. We have factory tours of how they're built and you know the quality of what they're built. And you'll really be shocked the, the way that these are being built as well. So um, we also help with the regulation of how these are built. So I was just in DC and we're really showcasing the quality and the and, and the structural um, quality of how these are pretty much being completed. But if you see the homes yourself, you'll see there's 12 foot high flat ceilings. We have quartz waterfall countertops. We have stainless steel appliances. We really push the limit of how beautiful these homes could be. And what, what sort of price point are you approach like to get, you know, to upgrade your home to something with, you know, waterfall countertops and stainless steel and, you know, farm farm sinks and all that sort of stuff? So this really varies a lot based on the area. Um, in our area, a typical upgrade of someone's old unit to a new one would typically be about 270 thousand uh, to replace their old one with a new one. However, it's different if you're purchasing a whole new one itself. Like we did a project in Agora Hills where they spent about 600K, but it made sense for them because the value of that mobile home itself was about 1.1, 1.2 million dollars. Wow. Right. So so it's 
it's a drastic difference. But I did want to talk a, a little bit about kind of like the real key here is why these are kind of valued at this much and why it's kind of a perfect fit for the market is because like in our area of San Jose, people are renting a one bedroom apartment for about 3,300 a month. And our median sales price is $1.6 million for a single family home, right? And that's where this these mobile homes really come into play as a perfect middle ground. For a lot of these people that are renting, these teachers, these contractors, whatever it is, it's very difficult for them to dream of ever owning a single family home. And it's it's very difficult to save up the down payment or come up with a an income that can qualify for that loan. But these are perfect stepping stones in between for them to be able to get out of that rental rat race and start their ownership journey and get the benefits of ownership at an entry level, right? So they can get a home there for about 350K. And with that, they have a lower down payment, they have a more manageable payment, and they get a lot of the benefits of home ownership, like appreciation, like tax benefits, uh, and being able to leverage the loan to their benefit as well. So those are key things that really were only attainable for the, the very, you know, for the rich and the wealthy, whereas like we're now making that more attainable for these middle-class working people. Are you using um, FHA loan type of things like where you can put you know, five to 10% down so you're not, you know, a lot of people struggle to find the down payment. Are they are they the type of loan products you're using to, to purchase these, help help folks purchase these, these uh, mobile home parks? Unfortunately, FHA and that sort of thing don't work for these. We are working on getting government programs to help do financing for these. You are right. We do have like 10%, 15% down programs that are about 25 years. So there are loan solutions for these, but they're not as backed such as like FHA. When you compare it to that, you know, there is a big benefit of the low down payment. But with that, you got to understand that the drastic difference in the purchase price makes a 10% down for a 300 thousand dollar mobile home only thirty thousand versus having to put a huge down payment for a single family home yep yep that's right and then with the appreciation side of it because they're renting the pad are they just more the appreciation of, of the home itself on that pad so when they come to sell it you know if they buy it for 350 they could sell it for five hundred thousand because the area becomes more desirable and the pad itself becomes more desirable is that right exactly that and and i kind of relate it to pretty much an example is like it's like a high HOA, right? You know, we we're, we're used when we talk HOA, we understand what that is. Whether it's an apartment complex that you're purchasing a home at, or or a townhouse, right? You, if it's like a four hundred dollar HOA, that sort of thing. Because these this you don't technically own the land; you are paying for like the amenities and that sort of thing too. Um, but yes, it would be you do own the home that's above that, as well as the contract that you have with the location. And that itself has its own different value. So if the the density of your city is very high and housing prices are very high, people are willing to purchase to to go into these communities at that price. And it'll go with the values of real estate in that area too. Right. Getting onto the business side of what you do, are you how does it work? So you guys are making money. Like obviously you're playing the middleman between the the owner of the park and and these these buyers, but you you'd have to, you're a for profit organization, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, are you does the business work that you are able to help them? You're you're providing the financing for it, so they can put down the down payment, and you take back the note, and then that that's how you kind of make your money in these transactions. 
we really try to be the all around everything when it comes to anything mobile homes. So we do everything from the basics of just the resale side, people that are buying into selling in there. And then we also help with the residents that want to upgrade their old ones to new. And then we also help with the park owners that want to raise the value of their unit. We'll do the consulting and help them plan out strategically. How can they do value add to their community? And how can they get more newer homes into their community and replacing their old ones for new ones? So those are kind of our three uh, that we help with. Recently, we've been starting to help people that want to open mobile home parks in certain areas as well. So we're doing a little bit of consulting with that too. And that, that leads me to my next question. Like where, where are you mainly focused right now? Is it just on the West Coast or you you starting to go uh, across the country? Most of our business is in the West Coast, um, mainly the San Jose market, LA, San Diego. Um, I am doing a job over east of Reno area and then also Austin. But I mean, our main agenda is really just to build more education and awareness about this product. You know, we do a little bit of lobbying with DC and that sort of thing to help kind of people understand how this works and why it's important for the middle class to be able to have attainable ownership and not just um, assisted renting situations. So, but with that, that's kind of what we're focused on. Yeah, right. And what does the the next five years look like? What are, what are you trying to do? Is there, a, is there a number of, you know, mobile homes that you're trying to, you know, help people get into? What is that vision for the company over the next sort of five to 10 years? I'd say for us, it's really just being able to help as many families as we can. You know, I I think for us, yes, we are a for-profit company. However, our real agenda is helping more and more families, right? So these homes that we're building are becoming perfect stepping stones for these families that cannot attain real estate in these areas. So I'd say the answer to that would really be numbers in families we help, and then really building a model that can work in any metro market, Mm. right? So, you know, first being in San Jose and we were able to do LA, San Diego, but this also makes sense in like we're starting in Austin and other metro areas that have these housing affordability issues. And with that, whether it's through us or whomever, we we really want to make a difference through mobile homes for families that can't afford real estate. So that's That's really our goal. That's awesome, mate. Well, look, I am ex- so excited to see you guys grow over the next you know, number of years. And I think it's such an incredible thing that you're doing and trying to sort of hit two birds with one stone. You're trying to make sure that the affordability is staying within these regions that is becoming really unattainable for the average you know, teacher, you know, contractor, nurse or whatever it might be. Um, but having making sure that that is you know, there for people to, 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 to obtain, but also then helping the, the owner Make sure that you're, you know, adding value to the property. So, I'm um, really, really excited to see you grow in the next couple of years. But with that being said, we like to wrap up the show with the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. Question number one is: What's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I'd say with that is really keeping up with our team and having effective meetings. Uh, that is probably the biggest daily habit that we'll do. So every morning we'll we'll keep up and see how our projects are doing. Question number two is. Who's the most influential person in your career to date? I'd say for me, it's Tony Robbins. I think that part of my life has really helped grow us drastically in understanding psychology in that way too. 
That's awesome. Yeah, Tony is a massive influence in my life as well, and many people on this show. So, kudos to Tony. If I, I don't think I'll ever get him on the show, but you know, we can all we can put it out in the universe and see. see maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> I shook his hand once. It was it was a big moment for me. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, question number three is: What's the most valuable tool in your business? When I say valuable tool, it could be a physical tool like a journal or a phone, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it? You know, I think for us, is the biggest tool that's really helped us grow is really our YouTube channel and, and really understanding video because we face these big stigmas. And as we know, as younger generations grow, they're very visual. They need to see these, right? And we have no way of showing people at scale without video. And once they start to see these videos, then they start to understand, wow, this is a beautiful community. This is a beautiful home. And that's been big for us. That's yeah. No, I, I think YouTube is the next way which people are going to consume even podcasting to this day. You know, like I know with my with this podcast, it was sort of like capture the video because I've been doing it for so long. But now actually making sure the YouTube channel is is something visual that people want to consume. So awesome stuff. Uh, question number four is in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career? What did you learn from that failure? There was a time where we leveraged everything we had in a project, and and it was our second or third project and that home actually got in an accident in the freeway all of our funds were there we were over leveraged on that project and we lost everything for a while and i think that um really hit me hard of like how how we really have to protect what we're doing and and huh, how do i say this what did we learn from that is being a man of my word whether it's our investors that were in that project, I'm the type that, hey, even if we did fail, we're going to figure this out and get past it. You know, we're going to figure out a way to get these investors paid back, all the promises made that we had to go through, and we got past that hump. Um, I think being a person of your word is a very important thing in any industry. Yeah, I completely agree. No, I think that's it's it's so important, particularly as you're starting out, because you you know a lot of people instill trust with you. They give you the money, saying, hey. Frank, are you going to be able to do this thing, you know, making sure you perform and then when it doesn't go wrong and sometimes things are outside of your control, you've got to make sure you step up to the plate and and, and honour what you told people that, who, who, who instilled that trust with you. So awesome stuff. Mate, last question is where can people reach you to, to be in the conversation with you that want to be in your sphere? Where do they go? All of our links are at www.franco.tv and or you can Google us at Franco Mobile Homes. That's where you can see like how these factories build these units. You can also see the com community tours and that, that sort of thing. Awesome stuff, man. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think first and foremost, just having what you mentioned earlier really resonated with me. It was like you got yourself to a point where you're comfortable and you wanted to have more meaning in your life. Thus, you chose a path of that. You know, you could go and chase be the owner of the mobile home park in other states and have you know thousands of pads under management, what you really wanted to have an impact. And that comes from your upbringing, right? You know, you, your family coming to this country, not starting off with a lot, having to drop out of school to, to support your mum. So I think that all resonates around an incredible vision that and mission that you've got for your company. And I just hope uh, a lot of people can reach out to you and you know, be in your sphere and you know, make, make sure they understand what you're doing and, and support in any way they can. Um, but, it, but did I leave anything out in that little summary? No, I appreciate that. No, that was that was pretty much it. Cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll look, again, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Franco. Remember, head over to www.franco.tv or check out Franco Perez on any of the YouTube channels. He is all over social media with the type of content he's trying to put out there, educate the masses about what he is doing. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. We're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave and go give life a crack.